Welcome back to another look into the state of the league. I'm your host, Hamish, and this week I'm joined by Birdie. How's it going? Forty. Hey, guys. Ricky. How we doing? And for the second time on the show, but the first time we'll be actually hearing from him, PM. Yeah, good evening. Good to be here. All right. Tonight we're going to... Uh, tonight we're going to get straight into it with a recap of the last week's um, action in the rugby, uh, the men's rugby league World Cup. We'll also touch on the leagues, uh, the Legends of League, which took place on the weekend. We uh, we missed that last week, but we'll recap that, and then we'll run into the women's two rounds of the women's rugby league World Cup, and then get into some Eels news, some training news, some signing news. Then get into the men's and women's preview for this upcoming week. Um, so to hit us straight off, let's get into the men's recap. The first game of the round was Australia 46, Samoa nil. Uh, that was by far and away the most boring of the four games, I thought. Um, Australia started a little bit slow, I suppose, but um, Samoa just had nothing, didn't they? Yeah, I'd have to say that um, basically Australia were, were far and away the better team on the night. Um, the Samoans showed that they aren't as technical or, or anywhere near as fit as the Australians, and the Australians just had too much class all over the park, and Valentine Holmes, so and how, how, how good is his anticipation? You know, five tries, brilliant. He's, he's hurting himself, I reckon. He um he wants to be the Sharks' fullback, but he's doing so damn well on the wing for Australia. Yeah, 100%. Teams, yeah, so. he's probably one of the best wingers in the game at the moment. See, this is where I saw like um, Samoa, they had an easy group, and they probably thought, let's just get to the semifinals, you know, and we'll kick on, and obviously... You, know, you play poor in the group matches, and it's going to, you know, translate into the semi-finals. You know, that's exactly right. I mean, they got they got ambushed by Scotland when they expected yeah. to cruise through that game, and it just carried on from there, didn't it? They just did not look like a team oh, that deserved to be in the elimination stage of the. We touched, we touched on it before. Like Samoa didn't really play well at all throughout the tournament, and teams like Ireland, who were the complete opposite, actually looked good, miss out, and everything like that. Ireland. Fair enough, Australia would have still won, but Ireland would have put up a much better fight than the Samoans did in that game. Like, that was, that was, as you said before, that was just a boring game to watch. Like, you know, Samoa had nothing. Australia were just kind of, Australia were just in cruise control for the whole, the whole match. You know, like, it was, it was literally like, they'd get a penalty, then they'd score, and then Samoa would make an error. And it was just, it was just, it's just a predictable game, and, you know. Val Holmes and his five tries. Well, I think that's the tale of the... T- oh, go on. Sorry, I was just going to say... Go, go Ricky. <laughs> All right, yeah. I was just going to say that's the tale of the tournament. Um, Australia too good for their opposition. Um, of course, Val Holmes with the five tries being the record for the most tries scored in a World Cup match. Did you have any stats for um, Frankie P and, of course, Sui Matungi, Ricky? I actually did. Just let me it find was, them. It was of interest that I mean, the club didn't make any reference to Frank Pritchard as... And Eel participating in that game, I believe. They mentioned Sua Matangi, but not Frank, in their pre-match sort of like, um, not hype piece, but like news piece. I'm pretty certain Pritchard was left out, if I recall correctly. Yeah. yeah, well, I think we'll touch on that in relation to the signing of T-Rex and what that means for Frank Pritchard, but we'll so get to Brent, that a bit later. So, All right, Ricky? Yeah, so just, just a quick one. So Frankie P only played the 55 minutes, which is... A bit down is I think I'm almost certain he was playing 80 in most of the games he's played this tournament so far. Uh, so yeah, so 55 minutes. He had 54 meters from five runs, which is not a bad return. That's about what 10.25 meters a run. And then that was pretty much it. Two missed tackles. He didn't do much else apart from that. 
Then Matangi off the bench. 29 minutes. Six runs, 40 metres. No, that's not great at all. That's like 6.3 metres a game. 17 tackles and one missed tackle. So nothing really to, you know, praise from either. But as I said, Samoa would... They just look flat and were dominated, so that's, those numbers really aren't really sh- really shouldn't surprise anybody. I did see on Twitter that Valhone scored more tries mm. in this five, game than five tries, tries, and then he has his fullback for Kyle Sharks. I think it was three across the entire uh, twenty-four rounds of regulation play in one finals game for the Sharks. Yeah, and he wants money to be yeah. a fullback, that, that, and he's upset about Dugan. Well, I think well. they're already so paying that, him as a fullback. He's not doing so. any favors, is he? He's been a superstar on the wing for Queensland and Australia, and he um, he's yeah. had some. Teething issues, I suppose, transitioning to a NRL fullback. He obviously played fullback in the juniors, but he hasn't quite brought the whole package to the, the number one jersey for the Sharks. All right, well, let's move right on to the second match, which was um, another uh, candidate for match of the tournament. Tonga 24, Lebanon 22. It came right down to the wire in this game. Um, Ricky, do you want to throw some stats out there for our boys? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, Michael Jennings, 77 total run meters from 10 runs, so 7.7, that's not bad for a center in, in today's game. Uh, 11 tackles, 2 misses. Didn't, uh, couldn't really add to his try tally, but what can you do? So uh, Manu Mau, so he had 126 meters from 12 runs, 35 tackles, 3 missed tackles, so Manu Mau at, at, his, at his best, you would say. Uh, then for the, the Lebanese side, Mitchell Moses, probably... Probably Lebanon's best tournament going. Oh, best tournament. Lebanon's best player going by the stats, you would think. So, uh, 100 meters from nine runs. So that that's about 10 and a half, 10.6 meters meters per run. 13 tackles. Had the six misses, but I remember that game. A lot of them weren't. It wasn't because he was just overrun. They were just you know the sort of the sorts of tackles like you make it, but then they shrug off around the legs and whatnot. Uh, two line breaks and one try assist. So, game and a half from. From our halfback and Tim Manu was probably just about their best on ground as well. 125 meters from 10 runs only. That's 12.5 meters a run. 40 tackles. You don't see that often from Timmy, and just the two misses. So quite impressive from Tim Manu. Hopefully that, hopefully that's something we can see for for the Eels and, and some of these critics can keep their mouth shut. No, they won't, Ricky. I've received some um, some flack back from saying Timmy had a good uh, game on Twitter already to say he's overpaid and watched Oh, wow. Tournament. And it was a sort of form, sort oh, of form of show that you really hope he can bring back to the Eels in 2018 because if, he, well, if he's playing like that, his starting spot is under no contention regardless of who he signed, I think, if he can carry out. Well, i tell you what. i tell you what, Ford, I'd go as far as to say... I mean, I, I'd probably, I, I can probably prepare it properly for the next pod, but I'd go as far as to say Tim Mann has probably been close to the prop of the tournament so far, just in terms of consistency. Like, you know. Well, when, when, when you consider what he's working with as well, it's not exactly a, a story packed full of NRL well, superstars. Exactly. Him and Alex Twell were, were carrying the load for... Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, guys that... I mean, Lebanon had what I think Robbie Farrell was saying in that post-game... Post game press conference, they've got like twelve blokes at a part, you know, part time players basically. You know, these guys are just, are just playing, playing Ron Massey Cup or even Sydney Shield for some of them. Which, yeah, 
Exactly. It, it's guys playing reserve, reserve grade or lower. You well, know, it's to me, Tim a, looks really fit. Like fitter than he has been for a few years. And that, that's shown during this World Cup. He seems to be playing yeah, more minutes. Point, he's making yeah. more tackles and he's making more metres. And I think that's a good sign leading um, into the, the pre season and next season for him, I think. Yeah, well, that, that was. That, that, I think, I think Most importantly, no HIOs. Oh, yeah. He had legitimate critics. Now, I think the HIO is probably a big part of that. You know, he, he was copying, and Parramatta cop a lot of flack from neutrals for their abuse of the HIA protocol. And I wouldn't be, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that we don't manipulate like every other team in the NRL does, but Tim copped a lot of legitimate head knocks this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if it took a little bit of um, wind out of the sails. As we know, now looking at the NFL, um, uh, I think it's chronic or uh, traumatic encephalophagus or something like that, uh, CTE, is a you know very serious condition. Well, he took a massive one in preseason, and he had a shiner for the mm. preseason launch mm. or whatever you call it. You know. So. Yeah. But um, speaking of um, good players in the tournament, uh, Ricky already raised Moses' strong game uh, for the Cedars. Um, I would be surprised if we look back on this game more so than any other game that Moses played in 2017 as the game that will catapult him into Origin contention. Um, looking at the post-match reaction on um, Reddit and then across you know sort of neutral forums like Twitter and whatnot. Barring his, you know, late, late sort of game heroics where he tried to win it all by himself, he played such a, a strong game that people were sort of throwing him into contention for Origin. Yeah, I think with that play. last play, he thought Farrah had knocked it on. So yeah. I think, he, like, he thought it was just a free play, and you know, find out what'll happen. But I thought Farrah had already knocked that on at the and play, the ball, also, um, and yeah, that was sort of just go for it yeah. from there. When he made that bust, too, was yeah, there support on the inside? Pushed up and support close enough, and so. And so the ball, that's right. No, that's what I thought. Yeah, so he had to go himself. No, but um, yeah, he didn't have the support there that he was looking for, and um, so a big opportunity to steal the game went went awry. But um, yeah, a lot of people on Twitter were saying it was a selfish play, but but with nobody's support on the inside, he did the best he could to try and score the try. It was the last tackle. Yeah. What else can you do? They they score there, they win the game. Play armchair coach and look at the game with the benefit of hindsight and pick apart, you know, what he could have done better or what, you know, he did really bad. But considering his supporting cast, you know, and the Tongans were, you know, on five as to um, up to date in this tournament, coming off a huge win against New Zealand, to push them like that and, you know, have the chance to win the game, it was just a, you know, brilliant individual play. Alongside, you know, a lot of workers and guys trying their guts out. Does uh, Abbas Miski get picked up by another club? You reckon? Yeah, well, he's, he he's been picked up by Penrith. He's on he a, verbally uh, agreed to Wenty, I believe. Actually, yes, he did. Uh, yeah. The, um, um, the talk, and then they're saying now he's heading out to Penrith, which is interesting because Penrith have nothing but a glut of outside backs. Well, it's, uh, it, it's even more interesting. It's, the, uh, it's only a it's a sixteen week training trial contract, so it's not like he's even guaranteed a spot. Getting I mean, and chances at the NRL. Oh, exactly, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that's. I think um, Tonga looked flat after that New Zealand game too. I thought, I thought their forwards were standing a bit flat-footed, weren't run onto the ball as hard. It's like they they played their big game they worked up for the week before, and this week Lebanon give it to them, and they thought, I thought, yeah, well, well, we're not really. Maybe are we up for this game? Are we up for it? But Lebanon know, pushed them the whole way. Written this game down as a, a win, you know, and sort of looking forward to who they're going to play in the semi-finals. And that, that sort of attitude always gets you in trouble, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 
Alright, well we'll wrap it up there. Just hopefully Moses and Timmy Manor can bring that form back to Clubland and I think the Eels will be looking very pretty next year. Um, now into a scoreline that we all saw coming, Fiji 4, New Zealand 2. Uh, Shades of 1986 grand final. <laughs> well, New Zealand. Hey, hey, New Zealand couldn't how that you that that's the lowest, the lowest scoring. I mean, there was a six 0 scoreline back in 1960 or something. That's the, but because the, because the highest, the winning team only scored four points. It's officially the lowest scoring. World Cup game with no try the, um, scored. The coverage was saying that it's only the second time in rugby league World Cup history that there was a game with no try scored. So that's a nice little piece of trivia. Yeah, well. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was at six. It was that six nil game. Great Britain beat France. Oh, I so was, three three pounds. Like, yeah, it was 1960 or, or something like that. But yeah, so I tell you what, with that game though, like I mean, it's sort of to to be fair, both sides were probably. Probably not at their best at all. I mean, obviously, you know, they... I'll tell you what. I think I enjoyed that game. No, I did. It reminded me a little mm. bit of the... It reminded me a little bit of the um, Iowan Papua New Guinea game that was played uh, the week before. Yeah, just like that dogged sort of... Where, you know... That's yeah. right. Very passionate defensive efforts. You know, guys looking to push up hard and hit hard. Um, Fiji had their chances. I think Braden Williami... Blue. Braden Williami. I mean, I say blue, but... You know, he had a couple of scoring opportunities that, you know, didn't quite get there. And New Zealand just never felt like they were in it. Um, their halves had no creativity. Sean Johnson just looks timid. You know, he wasn't taking on the line whatsoever. And uh, Nick, it was Nick uh, Rimmel, wasn't it? No, it was Tamari Martin. Yeah, Tamari Martin, yeah. Oh, Tamari Martin it was too, yeah. Yeah, it was, he was, sorry, memory shot. Um, he was just a, a little bit of a passenger on the other side as well. They just had no direction... And they got into the red zone a couple of times because the Fijians just dominated field position for most of the game, and they had nothing. There was a one nice early kick through that netted a long. Yeah, it's like as if no one to lose. Game, yeah, you know? it was, and, and Fiji were just really tough. Like they're really tough. They wanted to win more than anything, and you can see that in their defence, their goal line defence in that last fifteen minutes was yes. really, really top that, shelf. That's right. They, they, they really stood up. And the other moment that jumps out to me now, I'm thinking back on it was. Um, Roger Tuovasashek, who personally has had quite a strong tournament up until this game, um, he had that one line, line break where he just explosive right foot step. He tripped himself over with just the fullback. Yeah. Him, and, you know, the sort of blew the game up for him there. And then from there, he, he drops the um, he dropped the grubber kick and then he had that kick return at the last 60 seconds where he ran back 20 metres. And I was just, you know, tearing my hair out, Roger saying, stop it, son. This, this so, Kiwi team has really baffled me all tournament. I mean, I think, I mean, everyone's spoken about Sean Johnson needing a foil and blah, blah, blah. And fair enough. You can say that Sean Johnson probably doesn't have, hasn't played as well for New Zealand as he has for the Warriors in an individual sense. I mean, I, I know the Warriors are a bad team. But the Kiwi halves, when they're playing, when they're playing good teams, like, Nick Arima, even Tamari Martin against Fiji, they, they just struggled. I, mean, I, I, I don't understand what it is. Like, you know, the own, everyone puts the onus on Sean Johnson to perform, but, you know, a, a good half is only as good as the rest of his team. If, if, if no one else is punching their, punching their weight or doing their job, you know, it, it makes it so hard for Sean Johnson, who, individually speaking, is top five halves in the game, 100%. But, I mean... 
Sean, Sean Johnson is obviously super yeah. talented, but yeah, the, I agree. The issues of the Kiwi start from the top down, um, from from administration and coaching with Dave Kibwell, right through to some of the selection choices. They, yeah, I, I know that there was the whole Tongan selection selection or defection controversy that sort of derailed their World Cup like coming into the final stages of the um, preparation. But yeah, it's really hard to put a finger on what's wrong with New Zealand Rugby League internationally, let alone domestically. But um, yeah, they they just didn't feel like they were in the contest for most of their games. Like even though they, they won obviously in the group stage uh, a few games, you know, Tonga didn't brush past. Did anyone see um, Kidwood's press they, conference? They should have been said? better against the key Tonga. Is the we? They should have oh, been way better against Fiji. Game, no? Oh, I think. Much ado yeah. about nothing. He, he still just by, people trying to look. David Kidwell's not really not the man to coach the Kiwis, hundred percent. But people are just trying to make way too much out of yeah, his it was, comment. It was like, a you cheesy know. little cliche. Yeah. That if you, it, if it was a dumb thing to say, sure. But you can come back you know, to it, it and say, yeah, the Kiwis in the way. But unfortunately, but they, it, they they sort of crashed well below expectations. And, yeah. and now it, it's going to be important to see how they rebound. Exactly, in the the tier one nations and like the the uh, sort of rivalry for Australia, Um, we've had obviously a couple of countries like Tonga and Fiji stand up, but you do want New Zealand to stay strong as well. So hopefully they can figure out what's going wrong there. The only danger Fiji had was after the match when Kakao was detained for two days on an expired visa. So how you go to a tournament like that and not, you know, upset your visa is, that astounds me. Um, I think um, back on to talking about bizarre press conferences was Adam Blair in the post-match press conference saying they were proud of what they created. Um, They thought it was a good journey that's changed a lot of things in the Kiwi journey. Uh, a jersey that they've they've set some high standards and created a great working environment, wow. um, and too, that they were proud. Um, but it sounds like Adam Blair's going to fit in pretty well with the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, it, I, I, I don't I don't know how Adam Blair can come out and say that, man. Like, you know, he he had a poor t- he had a poor yeah. tournament. I mean, realistically, only what out of maybe the twenty odd players that play for New Zealand. I would say three or only three or four tops could actually put their hand up and say, you know what, I busted my ass every game, I did the job I had to do, so on and so forth. And Adam Blair wasn't one of those. Like, so for him to say, oh yeah, our culture's all fine, yeah, the Kiwis are all good, we're just rebuilding, mate, you have a long way to go if you're going to even compare with the likes of Tonga, Fiji, and PNG now. Because all three of those minnow nations have shown that they can, they can go toe-to-toe with the big guns. So... Alright, well let's move right along to the next game which was PNG 6, England 26. Um, the big uh, story in this match was David Mead getting knocked out in the first 90 seconds which put the nail in the coffin of I, PNG's I tournament. The Kumals didn't give up. They, they definitely you know, really busted their asses for the 80 minutes and they scored a nice try um, for their efforts. Um, I, I stand by my comments I made in the earlier podcast where if this was played up in Port Moresby I think this would have been a much closer game. Um, with the um, atmosphere and the weather coming into play, but yeah, it was pretty much as we expected. England were too good, um, and they, you know, they aimed up in defence and just stifled uh, 
Papua New Guinea. And whilst there was an English ref, it didn't seem to have too much bearing on the outcome. <laughs> after, after some, um, I mean, Lebanon were really the um, the recipients of all the rough games, I think. But yeah, it was good to see that, despite the, if you put it in inverted commas, hometown ref, um, the game was called down the middle. I don't mind this England side to take out the World Cup, to be honest. I must admit that the decision to move Widdop to fullback the last two games has been probably the best, probably the best decision. I mean, I know Wayne Bennett cops flack the law. That's probably the best decision he's made because Luke Gale in particular has really, you know, the, the, those two games, he's taken the game by the scruff of the neck and, and called the shots as a half. And, I mean, obviously obviously helps when you have, you know, a centre wing pairing like Callum Watkins and Jermaine McGivory, who they were just unstoppable in that game. I mean, I, I, mean, I know they were playing PNG and... People will say that was an excuse, but I think all up, I was reading, they finished with in excess of 350 metres between them. There was, what, four tries between them, and then something like five line breaks or something, which in one game for two blokes is not a bad return at all. So, they... I, well, McGivory was out um, in an article today, I think, or was it yesterday, saying that he's um, real keen on getting into the NRL, so that'd be kind of cool if in the four or like, um World Cup, he can um, not out of the He could make it too. He, he could definitely make it. I mean, the one you're talking about, Forty, he said he's watched a lot of semi play as well, and he thinks he's a very similar player. Like, he, he could, like, realistically, he could make it in the NRL. He's one of the few Super League winners I've seen that, that would give it a real go. And I mean, he's, I, I think he's, he's a similar size to semi as well, and they, they actually do play quite similar. They like to get the ball from dummy half and sort of, you know, make those runs and, and kind of just try and catch the opposition defence off guard. But I'd, I'd love to see it. I mean, I guess when you're contracted to your current club for three years, may, it may or may not happen. But if it happens, I'd... And, you know, I mean, even if the chance came up for the Ulster signing, I'd, I would take it. Is that good? I, I would take it. See, with English wingers, this is where... Or back, this is where I think of Ryan Hall, where he should have came. And then you look at Joe Burgess... He came with the, I think it was the British, or he came with a tour, he killed it, signed up with the Roosters, and, you know, he just flopped pretty much. Oh, it was one of, the, one of the real tragedies of um, of the Super League is that, that um, Ryan Hall never came across to play in NRL. Yeah. It would have been really good, because he, he was really a standout for England for years on the international yeah. scene. Um, and it was a shame that he never came across to Australia. Yeah. All right, with nothing else. But, um, Anybody else have something else to say on this match? Um, I mean, it, it's it's almost no. upwards for the Kumuls. They got knocked out, but um, they'll they'll really hopefully ascend from where they they were this tournament because they played some great footy, and the the support base they have up there is just insane. So hopefully they can really push forwards. All right. Well, let's say a farewell to Samoa. Farewell to Lebanon. Farewell to the Kiwis. And last of all, farewell to PNG. Speaking of um, farewells, did you see that cool little post on Reddit on r/nrl about the two PNG boys that had a, a tearful farewell um, to Nene McDonald? Uh, oh, I did see that. I did see that. Um, they got... They, they grew so close so close over the course of the World Cup prep and tournament 
that um, you know, saying goodbye to a friend. All right, well, let's touch on the Legends of League tournament uh, that was played on the Saturday, I want to Saturday, say. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, we didn't touch on that last week because it sort of skipped out all of our collective minds. Um, but at the be-all and the end-all, Parramatta were knocked out in the two uh, preliminary games. Oh, uh, the backflip from uh, was it Butner? That was Marsh. PJ Marsh. That was Marsh. Scored a school, yeah. Scored a book, right? Sorry, yeah, he you're scored, right. scored the try to the backflip left the field. Didn't come back on again. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but by his own admission, though, by his own admission, he he actually injured his injured his ankle on the first tackle of the game, and then so he went off, came back out, and then he said, "Yeah, I did that flip. That's it. I'm done, boys." So he just walked off. But yeah, we tried. So I'll just uh, quickly. <laughs> Sorry, go forty. No, no, I was going to say it was a cool little initiative, um, and it was nice. That it was live streamed um, as well. But uh, I thought the crowd looked pretty cool on the the coverage, but it was kind of hard. I didn't get many wide angle shots when I was watching. Who ended up winning the the doggies? They beat the Knights in the final. Yeah, they've been training for a month though. Come on. <laughs> The, the darkest time. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, the, the the Parramatta team list was Nathan Hindmarsh as captain, his older brother Ian Hindmarsh, Dean Witters, Joel Reddy, Dennis Moran, Wade McKinnon, Brett Finch, Todd Lowry, Shane Shackleton, Michael Witt, PJ Marsh, of course, Luke O'Dwyer, Matt Keating, Tim Smith, and Michael Butner. The goat, and Keating. Bertie was scheduled to play. He pulled out, yeah. Out. No, I tell you what, That's right. Dennis Moran, the bloke cost us... Cost us the second game, I think it was. Someone, kind of, kind of, I mean, I was only, I was only watching it like, was, as I was watching other stuff. Someone's made a break, and Dennis Moran is literally nobody in front of him. The line is right there because the teammate beat the fullback. He passes inside, runs like five minutes, drops the fumbles the ball. I'm like, yeah. Dennis yeah. Moran, it's like, mate. It reminded me of many, right many, many years ago when somebody made a breakdown in the middle of Parramatta Stadium there, and I don't—I think it might have been Riolo on the inside, and he's—he's he's only got ten metres to run. He's right in front of the sticks. There's no one in front of him, and he dropped it cold. That reminded me of that. Couldn't believe it. I was like, the yeah, that was awesome. He didn't have—he didn't have the gas in the tank to go distance. That cheeky bastard. All right. Well, let's hope. Let's hope they do another Leg- Legends of League, and it's not uh, broadcast on the same day as the World Cup. That'd be nice um, to have a, a full tournament. Um, but we'll move right along to the women's games. So starting on Friday... Uh, sorry, it was Thursday. Um, I was watching the live stream at work. Um, we had the first uh, round of the match, uh, the tournament, was New Zealand 50, Canada 4. And I think that final scoreline doesn't... Um, illustrate how close this game was for a long time. No, it doesn't. I was actually watching this game. The Canadians were going... They were pretty much going toe-to-toe in defence, I think, for probably the majority of the first half and then a bit of the second. And, I mean, obviously, you know, the Kiwis are more used to playing, to playing the game then because, obviously, most of these Canadian players are rugby sevens players for Canada and their women's team is, I think... Actually, I, I think they're, they're number one in, in rugby sevens, so... You know, it, it's the scoreline certainly makes it seem like Canada were bad, but they really weren't. I mean, they they you know they busted their backsides and did did their thing, and then uh, yeah, New Zealand they just ran away with in the last thirty thirty five minutes or so. 
Uh, we'll move on to the second match, which was Cook Islands 4, Australia 58. Um, Australia just dominated this match from, from the beginning whistle to the end whistle. Australia looked like a pretty ominous team, didn't they, across the, the course of the first few games. Um, they just look bigger, faster and, and more fluent than a lot of the teams they're playing. And um, that was pretty much reflective in the game against Cook Islands. Stats for this one, sorry. This is the yeah. This is the game where um Brad Brad Takarini's little sister. Yeah, she played in both games for the Cook Islands. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, but yeah, Australia just. I mean, they've got strike power all over the park, haven't they? When it when it comes to this um, format, after a couple of years playing the Kiwis as the um one of the showcase matches in between the Auckland nine game break the day one day two break. They're pretty battle-hardened. And then the last uh, game on that day was PNG 8, England 36. PNG were sort of favoured to, to come in and rustle some feathers, but um, obviously England were just too good in that match. No, yeah, no, I didn't actually didn't watch it, unfortunately. So. Oh, well, the second half... Uh, I, I got to watch most of the second half, and England just ran right over the PNG girls, unfortunately. Um, all right, off to the Sunday matches, which was England nil, Australia 38, and I think this just, uh, again, illustrates how dominant Australia are going to be in this tournament. Um, again, they just ran right. Right. But I think the the big headline that came out of this was much like the England game against Lebanon a, in the men's, there's a biting allegation. Uh, Isabel Kelly, yeah. Yeah, she got, yeah, she got cleared. Yeah, but I'm just saying... Uh, that's oh, all yes. been... Twice. Yeah, curl... Uh, it's um, got off. Yeah. Body allegations regardless of the gender. I thought it was just funny. <laughs> um, well, that's the third one of the tournament. There was the McGilvery one. There was one for PNG in the first match of the tournament and now one in the Australia-England match. But um, all three have been cleared, even though one was pretty clear-cut that there was a big bite on a forearm. <laughs> Is it an English thing? Because <laughs> the last guy in the NRL, I think, to be suspended for biting was James Graham back in the, gra- oh, against, in the grand final against um, Billy Slater back in 2012, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Had a good chop on his ear. They don't wear mouth guards, probably. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Australia just, like, they, they dominate this game from start to finish. They, um, England just didn't have the answers. Like, we moved the ball laterally really nicely, and we, um, we tacked back in behind the ruck. And they just got caught, you know, pushing outside flat-footed. And we, um, we hammered them. And on to another game which was completely dominated by one team was New Zealand 76, Cook Islands nil. Um, unfortunately for Cook Islands, there seemed to be the, um, the, the has-beens or the, the other runs yeah. in this, in this tournament. Yeah, it was a scoring very much parallel to New Zealand versus Scotland and the men. Um, yeah, it was just a bloodbath. It took him nine minutes to score, which I suppose is the positive for the Cook Islands. But from there, it was just um, like every couple of minutes, just a try. And when you're racing the clock, I suppose that's what's going to happen. Um, how many tries? I'm just looking at this. How many tries did Karemi end up with? One, two, three, four, five. I'd say six. Is it six? I think she got six tries. So that's that's going to be a hard tally to beat. Um, yeah, it, it definitely feels like it's New Zealand versus Australia. Well, it's on a, on a path for New Zealand versus Australia. So, uh, hopefully, 
Oh no, the the, the fact the fact that you. Can I think it's just animal. positive yeah, that we've got this many women's teams in rugby league, regardless of the skill level of some of them. But the fact that we've got this many. Yeah, well, Canada's Canada's going to be an important yeah, breeding great. ground for especially, international talent, especially for a team from Canada. With the success of the um, Wolfpack in Toronto, you're going to be um, hopefully looking to capitalise on some domestic talent coming through, both men and or male and female there. So right now, Australia and New Zealand rule the roost, which was a story for the men's um, men's league for a long time as well. But the fact that we do have teams and interest in a Women's World Cup right now is really, really encouraging. And you know, much like we talk about the Minnows stepping up for the men's um, tournament, you really hope that they can build on this and um, turn it into something awesome. And the last game was Canada 22, PNG 8. Just touching back on Canada's first match against New Zealand, um, they, they sort of showed um, how close or how dominant they could be over an opposition given... Um, not being playing against the you know the top tier nations, but as you're saying, you know, com- continue to develop the game there, and um, they look like they've got a fairly good team on on their hands um, if they can continue to grow it. They've um, Bruce the Ravens, yeah. They've got a pretty crazy logo too, the Canadians. I think it's the Ravens, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I remember looking on Arrow.com before the matches, and I saw the logo. And I'm like, what is that? And I clicked on the extension. No, they're not. I was just saying they're building nice with the Canadians in the women, so it's good to see. Hopefully it's something they can just build on and as Forty said, get some just 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 keep, you know, getting what the local our, homegrown players to after the two rounds of play, what are we tipping to, to come out of this? Australia and New Zealand are the runaway favourites, but um what what is the format for this abbreviated um uh, tournament? Sorry, I'm just trying to hunt around error dot com. Not sure, actually. What, uh, what, what's the context of the first two rounds of games? Do we go to sudden death? No, well, that, or is there there's, there's still one more round to go by the looks of it. Uh, one more round on Wednesday, and then I think we go straight to the final. Yeah, it looks that way. Yeah, the it, yeah, because they play with the, the women's rugby league final is is before the men's, so it's a double header on the 2nd of December, I think it is, or when is it? Whatever day it is. Yeah. That's correct. But it looks to be. It looks like it's going to be Australia yeah. versus New Zealand, given that they're both at the top yeah. of their um, group. That, that's right. That is the, the, um, the sort of the money pick there, isn't it? But we've seen some really encouraging performance to Canada, and hopefully we can see some more good stuff out of the likes of England. And, and out of the men's and women's team, who do you reckon has a say a better chance of getting beaten in the final, the men's or the women? Australia, the men. I don't mean I don't want to undersell New Zealand in the the women's side of the tournament because they've had some really fiery clashes with the um, the Aussie girls at the Auckland Nines. Uh, so I, yeah, yeah, I'd say the men maybe. maybe well, who do you think can beat Australia in the men's? So do you really think? You think Tonga can? Yeah, I don't know. I think England can drag drag us into a slugfest through the middle. Yes, um, and sort of get the game get game game. Yes, I was going to say. I honestly, I think England can. It's you know, their their forwards are not enough featherweights. Let's put it that way. I mean, they have some big players in there, like you know, Chris Hill, James Graham. um, You know, like they they've got some big boppers. Even their back rowers aren't, aren't you know. Powderpuffs. And, so and I know, they've, I know they've come to play. Um, Nearly ambushed by Lebanon, but 
when you've got a forward pack that features Tamalolo, Fafita, Manu Ma'u, Takiaho, who was rested against the um, Cedars, um, when you've got those guys in there, no matter how weak your house play is or how inconsistent your spine is, if one or two of those you know guns fire, I mean, we all saw David Fafita, David, <laughs> Andrew Fafita in the uh, 2016 Grand Final where he almost single-handedly carried the Sharks to victory. Yeah. With... Um, you know, a game where he was robbed of the Clive Churchill medal due to politicking from the Australian selectors. Um, you know, whether you think he's a dickhead or not, you know, he deserved the best on field for that game. If you get that from him or Tamalolo, it's going to be not not impossible, but it's I, going to make yeah. a game. I still think though that real, out of England and Tonga, real uh, cracker. I think Australia would fear England more than Tonga. To be honest with you, I think I think Australia can contain Tonga, and once you get on top of Tonga, yeah, they sort of. That they drop their heads a bit. Where England seemed to just and in that first game, I guess they they fought and fought and fought and fought and never gave up. That's a really important part. Is that this is Tonga's first time on the big stage as a big dog, you know? And yeah, they've got plenty of NRL guys experienced with um, the finals and big games. But as a squad, it does make a difference that this is their first time playing together for all of these guys with all the superstars coming into the Tonga team and that little bit of team chemistry and the sort of the reserves for the, you know, digging deep in your fuel tank. All right, well, we'll get into a bit more of that when we get into the preview. Sorry to cut you off there. First, we'll just jump into the news, and then we'll go straight into the preview. So, news is up. Okay, straight into it. The signing of the week, Tony Williams. He's signed to a one-year deal. It seems to be minimum, minimum wage. Uh, it looks to be replacing the Frank Pritchard uh, one-year deal. Thoughts? I've only got no problems with it. Low risk, low, low risk, low money. You know, mm. if he flops... Yeah. If he... I mean, Brad, Brad, Brad Arthur has yep. made his name on... Not necessarily saying it's going to happen for T-Rex, but he made his his name and his livelihood at Parramatta by taking either rejects, cast-offs, yeah, yeah. Um, fringe talent. Yeah. Yeah. He's either a stud or a, he's either going to be a stud or a dud, basically. And if he's a no, stud, well, he's, he's cheap. He's cheap. And if he's a dud, well, he didn't cost as yeah, much. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, exactly. that's signings like this. That's why it baffles me when our fans are like, "Oh no, I don't want Tony Williams to say." Well, mate, he's, he's probably on. Probably on about a, what a hundred, hundred and twenty thousand dollars a season, which is basically second, second tier money. Even though there's no no second tier as such, but you know, it's it's win win. It's you know, if he plays badly, you just let him go. If he plays well, then you know, he puts himself in a position to get get a bit more money. I mean, obviously nothing astronomical because that's he's not that sort of back roller anymore. But it's it's literally it's win win. And you know, I, I honestly hope that despite all. Despite all the issues he's had, if T Rex can, you know, play well for Wenty and sort of build something, then it might have been first grade. My, my only problem, like it's not off, it's not on field. It's when we sign Nathan Brown, it's his attitude. So whether or not he could fit into our culture, and not like harm it, but like help the younger forwards, you know, then it's a perfect signing. But I think that's it, really. T Rex is he's copped a lot of flack for on the field also off the field because a lot of people feel like he's not not a role model but he does a, he does a lot of good work I mean it, when he was at Manly and the Dogs like he was always he was always one of the guys that was the first one to put his hand up with community work and everything and I mean that's I, I, I don't know if that would happen to Manly but at the Dogs he was always there 
you know, when they had those player appearances, he'd put his hand up to go to those. So he's certainly, he's very much about the fans. And I mean, you know, I, I hope he's given that chance to, to, to do that and then to build on his, his on-field play and everything. And yeah, so, so to see him first grade, I, I would love that again. He seems to be pretty um, decent nick at the yeah. moment. So um, the um, coming weeks heading into Christmas and into the new year will be telling for mm. T-Rex. If he well, can, that's the thing. Uh, if he's ACL? fit. Did he do an ACL it was or the an Achilles? He did his ACL. He did yeah. have a good game. Yeah, he, he had a great game against West Tigers. Uh, he did have a good game against the West Tigers when he played first grade for the Sharks. I think he had a big impact playing at that um, second row position to get them over the line in that match. And then he was playing quite well for Tonga in that match until, of course, he did blow his knee out in the second half. Um, so, as everybody's saying, uh, low risk, low money, um, high reward if it does pay off. When you're, when you're that big and that good an athlete like you are for T-Rex, it, it, you know, it just, he should be a good player, you know what I mean? And if you just get him mentally mm. in the right place, you're going to get something out of him, I hope. And, you know, injuries can be really unkind to teams. And sometimes you call up on depth, and T-Rex is probably better than some of the guys have had in that capacity. Yeah, I was just going to say that depth. I mean, you look at it, you get close to the finals, and you need a guy in your team with a bit of experience who can come in and fill a spot in the back row. He's your man. And, and what, what, was the, what was the biggest bane of our forward pack in 2017? Yeah. Size. Yeah. You know, we've got a lot of yeah. great workers, a lot of guys that are explosive athletes on the edges, but we just lack sheer height and physicality exactly. when it comes yeah, to... Yeah, if you get 20 minutes out of him... He's a big guy, a big body, he'll get metres. Yeah, exactly, 20, 20 Even minutes. Even Everthoff's bench will be good. You know, that, that is best you know, case outcome, so we'll keep the, rein the expectations in a little bit, and we'll yeah. see how he goes yeah. heading through the preseason into the trials, and hopefully he can make us all happy. Now, talking about preseason, yeah. uh, a couple more boys are back this week. Norman, Kenny Edwards, uh, Cameron King, not the King, uh, David Gower, Hoffman, Smith, Vave, to name a couple, were all back at training um, Monday and Tuesday today. Um, in the rain yesterday, of course not it today. And also Gutherson was still running his sprints as of yesterday. So it all seems to be coming back into um, into the fold. Yeah, talk about the Varvinator. The guy looks in good shape, I, gotta, I must admit. I mean, I, I know, I've, I've, I've been one of his... One of his staunchest fans, and you know, he played quite consistently, in my opinion, throughout the course of the year when he had the chance. Um, but no, he looks he, he looks he looks in good nick. Looks like he's lost about four or five. Ki- exactly, that's the it's thing. A contract so. year for Vabe, so it's it's going to be going to be a big season. So hopefully he can um, you know stay healthy, get you know get real fit um, aerobically, and uh, up his. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to up his his time of play. But that would be a nice um, perk if you can get that fitness and get more about finding a consistency in his impact uh, in the whatever forward pack we field. But um, I think Kenny Edwards returning really sharp, Nick, which is encouraging. I think there was um, one unflattering picture of him in the training profile where he got an orange singled on, but he's in good shape and he um, he really got stuck into the uh, cardio stuff pretty well, I think. And, um, yeah, that's one like, thing I will say about all the photos I've seen from the training, is that mo- all the guys looking pretty good, Nick. Don't they? Like, they've all come back, yeah. they're keen, and they're in I good, Nick, the and they're, they're hurting from last season. Yeah, I think the full-timers took their own off-season pretty serious. Um, guys like Cam King, you know, Gower, Kenny Edwards, as I mentioned before. Um, and yeah, they you know went and had holidays and had some fun, but I'm pretty certain they stayed in sharp, Nick, looking to hit the ground running. Because, um, you know, after getting to week two of the finals... 
um, you only want to go upwards yeah. from there, and that's what you want to do. It kind of puts pressure on the ones that play in the World Cup at the moment. Like you've got people at home training, training the house down in your position, putting pressure on you. So it motivates them to come back. I'll get my head switched. And those guys are really disappointed going out in straight sets in the finals. I mean, they've they've said that a number of times. I've been interviewed, and you can see that in the training paddock so far. Um, it'll be interesting to see when the, the World Cup guys get to come back because they've got a mandated period of time off that's written into the uh, CBA. Um, but through Christmas will be um, be all the guys that are already there, and uh, pre-season as a full team will probably start in the new year. I'd say because it'll be that Christmas break that every player gets. All right, and just uh, moving into membership news, uh, I received my membership package in the mail yesterday, so hopefully to all our Eels members, they'll be um, coming in the mail. My last name starts with a W, so I yeah. don't know if that's um, that helps anybody. Same here, um, but whether they're the going from A to, to Z or from Z to, to A. Um, but fingers crossed, yours will be uh, coming in the post office quite soon. Mine's at the post all office. All right, well, let's wait. Well, let's move right along to a preview of this week's action in the Rugby League World Cup. We'll start with the men, um, which will have Australia versus Fiji at 8pm this Friday. Take it away, boys. I mean, I'm praying for the upsets and all upsets, but Australia are going to be huge favourites. Um, Fiji, you know, played... I hope we don't see what happened to Tonga versus New Zealand with them playing their quote-unquote grand final um, and coming in real soft. Uh, but uh, our, our boy Celeste Fahinga has been handed the extended bench and it seems unlikely he'll get into the team. Um, it's going to take a huge game from Jared Hayne. You know, as much as it sucks for him to be shoulder with all the responsibility, I'm not unlike Parramatta um, circa 2009-2014. He needs some decent front rows! around him, but he needs to be... The forward pack hasn't been the bane for Fiji. Having said that, their forward pack was outstanding last week. You know, Vunakeki, Kikau. Vunakeki was outstanding, yeah. He was really good. He was probably close to the best forward on the field last week. I'm still amazed that Billy Andre Kikau is so willing to stay at Penrith when Anthony Griffin is so unwilling to actually use him properly. The revelation that James Maloney is short a TPA um, and thus his contract hasn't been registered at Penrith. If they have to shed um, talent, I imagine there'd be more than a... I think he let slip that the third-party agreement wasn't actually arranged by a third party. Mm. I reckon there's going to be a a few clubs come lining up for Kikau's... um, services after his World Cup. Well, he's, um... well, with what Ricky mentioned that uh, Bryce Cartwright coming back, you know, eight kilos overweight, you know, he might have the... Well, Kikau's Kick a real interesting uh, one because Kick-out he's a over... prop by trade, but he was a very athletic and dynamic prop. For the North Queensland Cowboys in the Holden Cup, he scored a stupid amount of tries in the um, 2014 well, got... season. Yeah, on your, on your point for it, he's got the most tries by a prop in the Holden Cup season. Mm-hmm. It was like 16 or 17 or something, which is... I mean, the closest to that has been Ryan James, who obviously in this, what, 2016? But you hardly see it. I mean, his World Cup has been tremendous, so... But, um, I mean, Fiji have deployed him on the edges. They're not using him through the middle. Like, he'll take the hit up through the middle when they need him, but he's looked um, pretty natural as an attacker 
on the edges. He's showing really nice agility laterally to get between the tacklers, you know, off the um, sort of AB shoulder contact points, and you know, get get past there into the, the arm sections. And defensively, Fiji haven't been tested much beyond the um, New Zealand game, but he held his own there. So he's got a little bit of versatility to play between back row and prop, and a lot of teams looking for that sort of um, you know, utility from their forwards. You talk about utilities as a half back fullback. All right. Well, let's save that for the Penrith Panthers uh, pod. Uh, we'll move on to Saturday's game at 4 p.m., which is Tonga taking on England. We have a, a few more Eels taking part. Well, we're down to four left, um, but three will be taking part in this game. Michael Jennings is renamed. Uh, Manu Mau at second row and Terapo's back in the squad after uh, his partner gave birth to their, uh, I think, daughter last week. So that's why he wasn't named. We've got to the bottom of the mystery. Yeah, so um, that, that was a little bit of a question mark, wasn't it? He was a late withdrawal, so we weren't sure if it was an injury and then someone saw him at home on his Instagram post. So, you know, was it a disciplinary thing, which even though he was in trouble with Parramatta at the start of last season, it's very unlikely. An unlikely thing for for Penny, who's been a, mostly a clean skin for his playing career, and fortunately it was fantastic news, wasn't it? So that's awesome to see him back in, and awesome to see him with a young bub. Um, I reckon Tom can do it. It's going to be, I mean, the crowd's going to be raucous. I think. I know that they didn't turn out in huge numbers for New Zealand versus Fiji, but there's been a sea of red for Tonga's um, two big pool games and hopefully they can get out to Mount Smart Stadium and, and well, red's also a colour for England, I suppose, but... <laughs> but this is the only game that could probably go either way, I think, out of the two semi-finals this weekend. I, I think Australia's a dead set certainty against Fiji, but this game here could go either way, and we probably won't know until the last 10, 15 minutes of the game. I think if Tonga can keep with England and meet their physicality in the middle of the park, which we know they can, they've got a big forward pack, but, but England can play, we know that they could do it for... 80 minutes. Can the Tongans do it for 80 minutes? That's a big question. If they can, they can beat England. But if they can't, I think England can run over them. I think the one the one thing you really got to look at is just that that experience across the spine, across both teams. I mean, England has, as I said, Gareth Wood at the fullback. You've got Kevin Brown and Luke Gale in the halves, who are both quite established. Yeah. And you've got Josh Hodgson and James Roby as the two hookers. I mean, out, outside of Australia, we said it from, they're we probably said it from the two... Day, the, the biggest issue holding the Tonga team back will be their spine. They've got yeah. an electric back line and a, a most, probably the most fearsome forward pack on paper in the tournament when you're talking about game breakers. But um, Will Hopwhite is a solid fullback, and Lola here and Hangano have probably done enough to steer the ship to get him through. But if you have to put the ball in the hands of one of those guys to win the game, no. you're probably going to feel too good. I think... So, I tipped Tonga to make the final of Australia, but I would not be surprised... If England come, you know, a snatch and grab top and win. You know, get in front and then just just keep, keep clear pretty much, you know. No, I, I guess I, I just put it down to you look at the 1-17. I think England just has, I guess overall, I think they've just got more, they've got more steel, they've got more resolve, sort of more attack. Like, as I said, as I, as I was saying earlier, you know, Watkins and Watkins and, and McGivory, I mean, the combination they've had this year is, I mean, mind you, Jennings and Tupo are the same for Tonga. But those, those two English guys, like, I mean, they are just, they've, they've basically carved up most teams all tournaments there's, so far. Just the way they're playing two ways is I just I see Tonga phenomenal. Getting a win here, I think, is the first is England managed to get into a, a grind out slugfest through the middle, and that's going to be the worst possible outcome for them. 
if that's the case, you look into one of our, you know, tricky outside backs to create something from nothing. Um, and the, you know, the probability of victory there is going to be real long. But on the other hand, if they can play up tempo, which, you know, it's football one-on-one, you want to play to your style, play up tempo, get early ball to the edges and let Jennings and Hurrell sort of work away one-on-one against their opposition, you know, that gives them the best chance. Problem is, England are very good at, you know, not letting them... I actually think, Ford, just to kind of, I guess, follow your point, the key, I, I think one of the keys for Tonga to beat England, only because they haven't really been exposed to it so much this tournament, is try and generate the second phase play. Because I think England has shown, not so much this tournament, but I recall in past, past four nations and past World Cups, England has, if you get the second phase play going, they have sort of struggled to adapt, you know, change and adapt their line accordingly. So like, you know, you, you basically cut out that second defender and you got the space. So I think if you can get the likes of Tamalolo, Manu Manu, all that stuff to really, you know, do what they've got to do and, and, and generate it, you, you could you could give Tonga a chance, but yeah, I, I just think it's probably England all the way. I think at, at this stage, so. hopefully, the, it's a good game though. That's the most important thing because we're really you're yeah. expecting Australia Fiji to probably be a little bit of a blowout unless Fiji can play the game of their lives. And given the way they've played this tournament, you know, it's not impossible. But this to be a, a real hard fought contest would be fantastic. All right, boys. Well, let's tip this game. I'm gonna stick with Tonga. What's your tip, Forty? I, I got a. Well, quote-unquote underdog here. I'm going to go Tonga as well, just for the fact that it'll be awesome to see them in a World Cup final. And Birdie? Yeah, I reckon Tonga will win, but um, it might come... I reckon, you know what? Golden point. That's the one That's the one thing we haven't seen, isn't it? Win. Extra time uh, in this um, World Cup. We've had a couple of close games, but never quite gotten past the 80-minute um, um, hooter. Yep. And PM? I think England. England will win, but they won't get in front till the last ten minutes. And Ricky, you're yeah, on England, aren't you? England for sure. Okay, so we're split three to two. Let's see who will come out on top. All right, now on to the women's uh, rugby league. Pr- uh, Quick previews. They're playing on Wednesday the 22nd, so tomorrow as at the recording of this podcast. Um, the first game's England v Cook Islands. I expect England to absolutely uh, flog Cook Islands, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, comfortably. And then on to the second match, which is Canada-Australia. Australia should probably again run away yeah. with this match. Yeah, Australia... Really strong favourites. Hopefully, Canada can get um, get on the board a couple of times though, and um, you know, do themselves a little bit of uh, respect for the, the way they've been playing. Yeah, no the doubt. Couple of games. And then the last match is going to be New Zealand PNG, which you would expect New Zealand to run away with as well. Unfortunately, there's um sort of free. Yeah, yeah pretty much so. Yeah. Those three games, that it? does seem to be the case. Alright, well I think that about wraps us up for this week. Um, I'll get straight into the plugs. Uh, 4020, I can see just as we're recording that another um, 60s blog has yeah, dropped. He's just dropped his, um, his training blog, which I think features some cool stuff from a field session they've done um, either today or yesterday. Um, so he's been um, on top of all the training and with more players filtering in this week, means a lot more interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, Lachlan Wilmot's the new... Uh, High performance manager, is that his official role? Or something to that effect? Has been real hands-on with the boys with um, a lot of technical things and um, trying to you know get the most out of their running technique and 
those sort of things. And I've got a collaborative piece of 60s coming out soon, uh, looking at the uh, path that Brad Arthur's walked in his first four years and more with the Eels, and um, sort of get the uh, the juice flowing into the preseason. Ah, uh, sorry. And then, oh, sorry, I was just looking back at the women's the the pool stages. Sorry, they 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 play right. two semi-finals, which are going to be on this Sunday, the twenty sixth of November. Um, so I'm assuming the top four teams are just going to square off against each other, 1v3 and 2v4, and then we'll have the grand final on the following Saturday. Um, sorry, I, I, I just wanted to touch on that. Um, now I'll move on to, to Ricky. Uh, you've got something to plug? Just the usual, nrnews.com, at nrnews. Just get around it, get all the news, all the rugby league news, World Cup news, you name it, it's all there. So. you got to... You got a piece published recently, didn't you, mate? Oh, well, that was on um, Sporting News Australia. So basically, it was your like the, your your club's burning question sort of thing. So just seems We're like an NRL uh, Sporting News, your club's burning questions to have a gander at what Ricky's written there. Yeah, exactly. So it's on Sporting News Australia. You just type in like like your club's burning questions, and obviously under the league section, and yeah, so all sixteen teams are there with a hypothetical question as to what their season may or may not may or may not entail based on it. So yeah, have a read of it and all good. And Birdie? Yeah, just, yeah, just my Twitter, Bevan Heaven One. Yeah. And PM, you've got a plug. Yeah, yep, our sporting goods store I own. Sportfirstnambucker.com.au. We've got the two thousand eighteen Eels training gear in now. We've got shirts, we've got singlets, we've got shorts they're all on the website there. You can order them and deliver all over Australia. Um, we've got a coupon code now for the listeners of the State of the League, S-O-T-L. Put that in the coupon code box. You'll save 10% off your purchase. Whether it's discounted or not, doesn't matter. You save 10% off store-wide. Spend over 100 bucks and it's free delivery. That's sportfirstnambucco.com.au. Cheers, guys. And um, I think the new jersey is set to drop on the 24th, which is this Friday. So we might be seeing um, an announcement from the Eels on that day. That that cryptic cryptic, um, uh, social media post, wasn't it? 24 slash 11 slash 17. Yeah, if you want to catch us, we're on on Twitter at State OT League. Uh, We'll just be posting there with all the games and whatever else in our take. Um, so again, thanks to all the, the new listeners out there. It's great to get a good reception and, um, we'll keep, uh, putting these episodes out, uh, well, next week, the week after to wrap up the World Cup. Um, and then we might take a little bit of a Christmas break and then come back in the new year. Um, so thanks again for joining us for another look into the state of the league. You enjoy your rugby league for the rest of this week and this weekend. Cheers, guys. See you next week. We raise our voices to the sky.